What do you say you and me take a walk over to the tavern? Let's pull up a chair. A little something to eat. <laughs> Welcome to the Mouse and Castle. Come on, Johnny. What are we waiting for? This is a gathering place for fans of all things Disney. So sit back, chow down, have some sips, and chit-chat about the magical world created by Walt Disney. For too long, I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. <laughs> well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mouse and Castle podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Glad to talk Disney, all things Disney, uh, with you guys. And with me, as always, of course, my good friend, Disney buddy, and co host, Mr. Aaron Goins. How's it going, Aaron? It's going great. Yeah? Yeah, it's going pretty good, I'd say. I'm a little jealous of all my friends that have already gotten to see Avengers Campus. Mm. So, yeah, but yeah. I'm going to get to talk to one of those people today. So, I feel like this is one of those first times that I'm experiencing that jealousy of some event happening at a Disney park, a new ride or attraction opening up, and I see friends or fellow Disney fanatics that I know out there when I'm not there. And that's not really been a thing during COVID. So this is like the first like big grand opening of a new attraction or new land. So it, it again it adds to that <clears throat> laundry list of how it, it the Disney parks indicating the back to normal or normal ish um, uh, again. So uh, let's you know what let's just bring her in because speaking of somebody who's at uh, Avengers Campus uh, when we were not, it is California resident. And also my sister. It's Bethany Blanton. How's it going, Bethany? Hey, hey. I am doing so well. You know, I'm excited to talk Avengers Campus opening, uh, Web Slingers ride, Web Suppliers store, Mm. treats and goodies and snacks Mm. and drinks and all things Disneyland. I'm excited for your review. And I I hope you're prepared. I'm going to shoot you some hard-hitting questions about how how well (laughs) they did. Well, you um, might get some opinions then. Some good, opinions, some not so good. I want that's yeah. what we that's what we want. We want we want your first hand take, your on the ground report. So consider that a tease for the episode because I gotta I want to open up the episode and talk about something that um, Savannah and I hadn't done in uh, Lord probably almost two years. It'd been a long while. I want to say. Uh, January 2020 was the last time we went to a movie theater. I'm sorry, what's that? Uh, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this I'm crazy sorry, thing. It's, it's this crazy thing where you know people go and see movies on a big screen all in one location. It's crazy. In, in my area, we had like a different. It wasn't too long into the pandemic that. Some theaters did open up, but with like extreme social distancing. It was literally mm. like four people were allowed in, in the screening. I'm like, how are they even making money off this? I remember AMC uh, was doing these deals where you could like rent the whole theater for your group. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. So I actually did go see Tenet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wasn't completely movie theater free, but it was close. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I saw one movie over the pandemic. So yeah. So going to see. Going to see the uh, the latest Disney release was a, a fun uh, thing that had, I hadn't been able to do in a while. Oh, nice. So 
Uh, and I, we're, we're going to give our spoiler-free review because what we're talking about is Cruella. Uh, Savannah and I went down. It's a tiny little uh, local movie theater just down the block from where we live. And we've wanted to go ever since uh, they reopened. But honestly, like in the post, post-vaccination world, which for us was only a little bit earlier this year, there weren't any <laughs> that many movies that really captured our attention. So this was like, all right, new Disney release. Let's do it. But I went in with pretty moderate expectations, and here's here's my two bit spoiler free review. What the the expectations I went in was just a sort of uh, expecting the Wizard of Oz prequel level of Disney inter- entertainment. I don't know if you guys remember this. I forget it was Return to uh, not Return to Oz, but I don't even remember what it was called. <laughs> that tells you, uh, but it was like 2010 ish. And uh, it was just like okay, it was it was a a fun, very forgettable movie because I can't remember like I can picture the lead actor. Oh, James Franco! James Franco was like the lead actor in it, and it was just this very forgettable Wizard of Oz prequel. And that's kind of what I expected here because the trailers didn't really capture me that much. One Hundred One Dalmatians was never like my favorite movie growing up. I think I saw it maybe once or twice. But I was like, you know what? It's the Disney. It gotten decent reviews, not rave reviews, but okay reviews. So I was like, we're going to do it. It'll be fun. We'll get some popcorn. It's just it, it experience that being in a movie theater with other human beings. It was it was an odd but uh, much much missed experience, and it was it was good. It was I was surprised at how much care that they put into um, making a complex and interesting uh, character, and Emma Stone rocked it. Um, portraying, I don't know, a, a level of in-depth, uh, a level of depth for her character that I was not expecting at all. And there was a lot of twists and turns along the way. All of the characters are very felt very real and likable and, and, and natural, not forced, not stereotypes. Um, and the soundtrack is kind of, was the, kind of the cherry on top in the tradition of Baby Driver and Suicide Squad and of course, Guardians of the Galaxy, most famously. Um, they put together a rockin' soundtrack, and, and the movie really, the pace of the movie really flows. Um, so for me, I, I walked out of the theater, uh, I looked over at Savannah, we were just like, wow, that was actually like really good. And so it was a good, you know, welcome back to the silver screen experience for us. How about you, Aaron? Well, this was one of the first times that we've been presented with the conundrum of do you watch it on disney plus oh yeah or do you go to the theater because Mm -hmm. we have both options yes and uh disney plus you know you pay i didn't even look it up to see how much they were charging for this one but if it's in line with the other ones i'm thinking it's what 30 30 bucks yes sir okay so 30 dollars, or do i go see the theater and i was actually going to hold off on this one because i was kind of like you the trailer didn't have me that excited Mm -hmm. 101 dalmatians hasn't been of you know a nostalgic favorite for me anyways and i'm not a big fan of the let's make a villain look good uh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of reasons why i wasn't going to be into this movie so i was kind of like eh, this one i'm not even going to get it on disney plus or go to the theater i'm just going to wait until it's free on disney plus then i'll watch it and then last night you said hey let's review cruella and i was like oh i guess i better go see it (laughs) so i I looked up real quick, like literally it was like, I don't know what time, maybe 8 p.m., uh, close, getting close to 9 p.m., and I real quick pulled up the Fandango app on my phone to see if there was any showings in the area and found 
uh, a local theater that was doing actually five five dollar showing of it. Nice. And so I went, uh, texted my brother, got somebody to go with me because I don't like going to movies by myself, and we went and saw it. And um, I, w- I think me and you had the same reaction. I I really liked it. I thought it was really good. And no way. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. It was just a really well-made movie. Like you could have taken that That's story true. and not had it be Cruella Deville and just have it be a random person and yes. not have it be related to Disney at all, and it would have been a good movie. That's what they so, got right. It it got the pillars right because it 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 it's one of those that had so much potential to be completely forgettable, and 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 like well, this is the origin story and. This happened. It's a lot. It's very easy in these kinds of movies to be like, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and that's why you got 101 Dalmatians, and she's evil now. And that's what I expected. But instead, the pillars of just like character moments and just having a good time and enjoying and wanting to like, and just enjoying getting to know these characters, even the side characters. Um, there's just a lot of care and attention in the writing. I really think it was the writing and the editing of this film. It, it, not to get too technical, but just it flowed really well. And there's never a point where you just get kind of bored. Which, which the aesthetic they got really well because yeah. they're trying to set it. You know, it's a '60s '70s era movie. Yeah, they got the colors right. They got the backgrounds right they got the lighting right, like everything to it. And then it's, you know, it's about the fashion industry at this time too. So just, it's they like, just really leaned heavy into that yeah. aesthetic and, and the music, like you said, was perfect for yeah. it. Um, and I think the casting was great. There really wasn't a lot. Like typically when I watch a movie, even if I really like a movie, there's a handful of things that I look at. I'm like, eh, okay, that was kind of eye rolling or that was kind of cheesy or I could have done without that scene. There really wasn't a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. Even the humor was good. Like I laughed at all the parts I was supposed to laugh at. Um, yeah. There might have been one moment where I was like, okay, they went a little over the top on that. But for the most part, I was really happy with it, like surprisingly happy with it. Yeah. And um, Emma Stone is actually someone who I really like anyway, so it kind of helped that she was the star. But she was. Yeah. She did really good, too. She really played a role that I think was different than what we've typically seen from her. It and is kind of showed her range. This exactly range, right? If this were not a Disney prequel film, and was just like a a movie uh, about this girl who goes through all these kinds of adventures and strifes and trials and tribulations, this would be like her Oscar moment since she didn't win for La La Land. You know, this would be I think like that like recognition now because she does demonstrate such a wide range. And you know who else actually probably just had the most fun on the movie was Emma Thompson. <laughs> oh, she was absolutely fantastic yeah. in the movie. Mm. I thought, yeah. Um, and the like, uh, the the dog. What was the dog's name? Wink, the one dog. Oh yeah, that dog was funny too. So that was my third favorite character. Yeah, but, yeah. It was, it was just a really, really well done movie. And um, I don't know where they're going from here, kind of thing, because I know they they definitely set it up for. And there's already talk about there being a sequel. I kind of hope they just let it be. Because you know it, you know it was a good, good, mm. good take on it, and I, I think if you try to drag it out too much, it might cheapen it a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We're already we have enough remakes. I don't, I don't think it. There, but it's if they great see the was, potential for for money, we know that that's yeah. really what will drive it. Probably. Yeah, we'll see what the box office is, or, or maybe how well it does on Disney Plus. Because now you know it's that calculus. It's some combination of those two things. 
Um, so Bethany, I know you haven't had a chance to see it, but there's our spoiler free review and hopefully it's intrigued you. Um, it has, it, it has. Cause I mean, I'm very similar to both of you in like, I was like, Oh yay, Cruella. I'll have to see that sometime. Like it looks interesting, but not a huge fan of hundred Dalmatians in terms, like I don't dislike it, but it's not my favorite Disney movie or anywhere close. Uh, and then the trailer did not look super great to me. And so I did not get around to seeing it this past weekend. Uh, now I want to see it as soon as possible as opposed to when I get around to it. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, it is, I would not have put this in the much must watch category, but yet here we are. So, uh, considered a wow. Usually we're uneven. Usually Aaron and I dis, and I actually usually what that's what makes some of these uh, discussions fun. But we're kind of like right there together. So I don't know how much more we can say about it. Um, I I'm, know that's why I'm like, the, dang, we found the rare I need to watch it. That we both agree on, and yeah. a live action. You know, which I know those are the ones we tend to not no, agree on. Notoriously, yeah. notoriously, again, the greatest uh, modern filmmaking triumph of our time, the live action Beauty and the Beast. I'm telling you, that's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just... <laughs> I had to do it. I had to cue the cheesy Avengers music because uh, Bethany, you were on location not just this week. You got an opening day, which I do believe means that you waited what, seventeen hours <laughs> to make it. Into. <laughs> I saw so many headlines about the awful lines. I don't care. I, we'll talk about the hundred dollar pimini sandwich. Right? We'll get there. But okay. I, I want to know <laughs> more importantly. Um, how crazy was it opening day at Avengers campus in Disneyland? Oh my goodness. It was, it was so crazy. So this Disneyland trip was the biggest series of a roller coaster of emotions in terms <laughs> of organization of the trip. Uh, Cause the, the folks that I went on the trip with all of us were, uh, incredibly busy, significantly busier than we normally are at work in the in the week leading up to it. And so it was a little difficult to uh, try to plan the actual Disney trip itself because we just like pieced out, drove down to LA Thursday night, passed out, went to the park on Friday, June 4th, which was opening day. Um, and... We got there and we were actually completely clueless. We did not realize that inside of DCA, there was a line to get into the Avengers campus. What time did you get there in the morning? And so we got there probably about a half an hour after opening. Um, And so by the time we figured that out, um, because we were all extremely hungry. And so we'd gotten into a virtual queue to grab some food. Um, we were, uh, uh, my friend Katie, uh, whose sister is a huge Disney fan called her and was like, you realize that like, there's a, at minimum multi-hour line that wraps around the entire DCA park, <laughs> which, which it was actually true. We walked that line, um, that wraps around the park. And if you're not in it already like you might not get in or you might be standing in line the vast majority of your day yeah and so 
everybody was pretty upset except for me because I had another friend that I hadn't told them was almost certainly going to already be in line because I was so tired I forgot to tell anyone. And then I wanted to confirm and so... I got made fun of a lot because I let everybody agonize for about half an hour <laughs> about the line as we were walking down and I was you, waiting for my friend to text back because he's a religious, I will go to the parks, I'll have so much fun and I will get in all of the lines and do all the things. Um, yeah. And he was in line. So we joined him in line um, with food and as as... And so we were probably in line um, for about two hours because he had already been in line for several hours because um, they op- they did open the park early. So yeah. when I say, say we got there half an hour after opening, that's half an hour after the official opening, they did actually start letting people into the park early, although I'm not quite sure how early. Yeah. Um, and so he'd been in line for a couple hours uh, at that point in time. And we had been unable to get a Web Slingers ride reservation mm-hmm. in the Disney app in the morning because uh, there were significant app and pass issues that we had the entire day, actually. And apparently a number of other people did as well, mm. um, which that's like a separate story. But uh, we were able to get into the Avengers campus with him um, probably around noon and we stayed there for quite some time and then we actually left for a river river bell reservation in disneyland eight and that's because we were able to get into the noon queue for web slingers okay uh and once you get into the queue for web slingers uh they do actually let you into avengers campus oh interesting Um, so you can leave and come back if, yes. you, if you have that um, web slingers. Yeah. And again, you're talking about the virtual queue feature, which has really yes. become something that Disney has leaned more and more on with more and more rides um, opening and, yes. and becoming that be the only way you do that ride. A Rise of Resistance being the first one. Now, I think at mm-hmm. Disneyland, it's the Indiana Jones ride. And of course, now the, the web slingers ride. Um, yeah. And so um, I think almost everybody listening to this will have done or know about the the rise of the resistance and that's exactly how it worked um yeah and we did have we did have issues with that and i actually got uh bumped out or unchecked on my friend's phone as he was going through but the um the plaid suits or plaid shirts uh disney guest services were able to manually re-add me back to the web slingers uh reservation oh that's good Um, yeah, that that That's... was very helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say we spent the vast majority of our day um, at Avengers Campus because we got in around noon, mm-hmm. uh, left briefly for the Riverbell Reservation, went back for Web Slingers, and then pretty much, yeah, we actually stayed there until after closing because uh, they were not actually really kicking people out of the park we were probably there until an hour after closing and they hadn't even started like waving people out at that point in time yeah so that was interesting i wonder Um, why they didn't do something similar to what they did with galaxy's edge where they did kind of shifts you know or they gave you know those kind of four hour shifts that you had a time slot for and 
it, it felt like that was pretty effective. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they, I don't know, because maybe they thought, my only thinking behind it is maybe they did this one different because they were worried about it not looking crowded and then that that's being fair. bad press. Yeah. Because that's kind of what happened with Galaxy's Edge. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, the the thing is, is that this, it, it was very crowded. Um, mm-hmm. Social distancing inside of Avengers Campus was not a thing. Um, and it was impossible for the cast members to even control. Yeah. Um, with the upcoming, uh, Governor Newsom has been kind of back and forth in California about uh, what the California guidelines will be for COVID and for social distancing. He had said on June 15th that outdoor mask wearing um, for vaccinated people and social distancing would go away. So I think the cast members are much closer to Mm. just kind of giving up because at some point it, it does get very frustrating, I'm sure, as a cast member and very stressful to try and enforce these policies and some people respect them and follow them and some people are just forgetful and they forget about it and then others don't care yeah. and don't want to follow it <laughs> yeah no that's fair and I, and I think the it's it's because it's a recent Disneyland's already reopened and I th- I'm sure there's already so much pent-up demand to say nothing of opening up a new land so without the mm-hmm. boarding pass you know limited you know time windows I can definitely see why it was such a um, such a the the press I, I was reading the coverage was that it capped out around six hour line was 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 what it was throughout the day which is which is pretty crazy um, but you know what yes let's di- let's dig into um, the actual land itself now I could go through list uh, item by item the rides the features yeah. the foods but I actually just want to know to you big picture how does this expansion compare to other expansions because i'll be honest and this is where i'm gonna this is you know i said i was gonna throw you some hardballs when i when i look at the pictures and the experience it really doesn't seem as top tier um an expansion as for example some of the recent stuff at disney world mm-hmm. obviously galaxy's edge being a big par- uh, example or uh, toy story land at hollywood studios um or even the the avatar stuff at a- animal kingdom when you're talking about generally yeah. recent park expansions um, it seems cool, but it doesn't seem as immersive as those are, just by virtue of the size of the area. That's just knowing what was there, like the yeah. um, A Bug's Life area that they have uh, to work with. Is, was, is that the case? Or is this something that you would put in the same category as some of the other larger expansions? Um, I would agree with, more with what you're formally saying. So when you're walking in, uh, and as you go through and you experience everything, the f- the food and drinks are quite interesting, but limited. Um, the Avengers Campus itself, it does actually kind of have the feel of the Avengers Campus. Like, this isn't just Marvel Land, right? Okay. They meant it to be the Avengers Campus specifically. And so it has a much more, like, clean, streamlined uh, area and... I'm not actually sure the name of the building, but they have essentially a very large building in the center that has the Quinjet parked on top Mm -hmm. and a really large partially wraparound balcony where 
different Avengers casts uh, and villains are enacting scenes and interacting with the audience. And some of the the scenes or the skits uh, are like 10 or 15 minute long, like in-depth, like mini miniature plays. And so I would say that that, that is the most interactive part mm. is you're supposed to feel like a fly on the wall, if you will, inside of the Avengers campus. Um, they do get that feeling quite well. Uh, the Doctor Strange area of the campus was my favorite um, okay. because it's the most fantastical. Uh, but it, it is a far cry from Galaxy's Edge, sadly. Oh, a far cry. Well, except for the fact that of the skits, like Galaxy's Edge could take some yes. notes there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's where I will say the Avengers campus, um, I think the, the coolest single item about it was actually the cast members who were in character as different Disney characters. Because in the time that I was there, like I waved at Loki and he glared at me. And then looked off as if he was super annoyed. Uh, <laughs> he he looked at a small child who was waving and saying hi, and just like squinted and then cocked his head kind of sideways, and then held up his hand and moved his fingers together and mouthed "You're small." <laughs> and the little boy was like, "I'm not that small." And Loki did the did the like the Thor skeptical look, like, mm, "Yes, you are." Um, Captain Marvel said hi to me and winked at me, um, which was really cool. She's really cool and awesome yeah, and really cute. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> um, Captain America came, came out and was out for a solid 30 minutes interacting with the crowd. Uh, like he got up on a, a Jeep and was just talking to people uh, as Captain America, and it didn't seem forced at all, which was incredible. Like, of all characters that I think it would be really difficult to try to act like and not seem super forced and formal, it would be Captain America. And he pulled off the conversations really well. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp were out and about. Iron Man came out. Uh, Black Widow would come out and look at people superciliously uh, or wave at small children or wink at people um, or patrol. Um, Spider-Man was out and you, you could have sworn that it was actually Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, it, like he talked like Peter Parker. He moved like Peter Parker. He acted like Peter Parker. He was enthused exactly like the character is. Um, and yeah, like the, the character interactions were just amazing. They were spot on, very well trained, very accurate, very fun. Like, and that was the key thing. It was just a lot of fun it is, to either it, talk it, to them or watch them. Um, and the skits were super fun too, because they were full of uh, like really cool fight scenes. Um, they actually had like stunt people dressed in character uh, who would do full-on fight scenes to include like flips and kicks and just all that type of stuff. That's cool. I, and I think it's telling that like, it sounds obvious like the part that you're most excited to talk about and enjoy it the most 
is the actual immersion that takes place from the cast members being in costume and being part of the like just experience as you you just kind of see them and they're part of the land by surprise it's not like there's a showtime where you go to this this stage to watch this choreographed fight or something they just like spider-man freaking shows up randomly I wonder yeah. if that'll last, though. Mm. Um, See, and that is ever the, the skeptic, Aaron Goins. Ever the <laughs> well, skeptic. I, well, because we're <laughs> poo-pooing on Galaxy's Edge a little bit, but yeah. I, I think Galaxy's Edge was more like that at the beginning. And I know there are there yeah. were actually like choreographed, you know, fights and stuff at Galaxy's Edge and mm. um, things yeah. like that that happened kind of in the opening time period. Yeah, and then it kind of dwindled mm. away. Now, obviously, with you know the pandemic happening, it made it go away almost completely as far as the characters walking around but i think that'll come back but yeah. you know they had the stage thing with kylo ren and different yeah. things like that you know you'd have you'd have more going on um yeah than than what than um what's going on now at galaxy's edge but yeah yeah i, I hope that with the, everything you're describing sounds awesome i just hope it's not like hey let's do let's go all in on this for the first few yeah. weeks so we can impress everybody and then let's you know kind of dial it back a little bit yeah, because there were there were definitely there were managers everywhere, and I'm not talking cast members. I'm talking managers, hmm. um, and I know we've had this conversation a bit about Disney World and Disneyland in um, like during the pandemic and managers wanting to make sure that things go okay. But there are so many of them that are clearly observing everything and like. T- talking to each other and having managerial discussions that the the manager the level of manager presence actually slightly takes away from the disney magic at least in my opinion um on the other hand i totally understand it because it's a new land that's opening um there were members of the press there uh like clearly there to film opening day and to talk to people about their experiences Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I share Aaron's concern that maybe everything that I experienced was a part of the opening day, opening stages of Avengers campus. Yeah. Um, I do that's... think Marvel has an advantage when it comes to characters for sure, because you know, it's not like they have all these costume characters. They're going to continue to use them. They didn't just bring out Loki just for opening day. So they're going to definitely continue to use all these characters and they have such a awesome cast of characters that they can pull from. And they don't have as many limitations as something like Galaxy's Edge. Because Galaxy's Edge kind of tried to put itself in a very specific time period that allowed for only certain characters to be available. And although Avengers Campus, I'm sure, is supposed to be in a certain time period, it's in a time period where basically all the stars, all the Marvel stars, are available. You can see any character that's been in these movies. So, yeah. from what I understand is that it's not necessarily set in a specific time period in the sense that, like, Iron Man was there. So, you know. Oh, yeah, and I guess... The, you've watched guess, the movies. <laughs> well, I guess that would be pre-him dying, but I guess... Yeah. You guess to back up your point, um, if Captain America was there, but then they also had... But, didn't they have, like, new Captain America? They did, yes. They did have new Captain America, they okay, had Black so. Panther, uh, Black Widow, and Black Panther mm. were fighting um, mm. Taskmaster. Ta- sorry, Taskmaster. Uh, mm. 
like minions well, slash folks. And that that's like a lead into the upcoming Black Widow movie, which is definitely set more. Oh, in interesting. Her past. Like they're already leading so, ahead to the, which is really smart, yeah. honestly, because this, the, well, it, with Marvel comics in general and the Marvel movies, the the multiverse idea is mm-hmm. is already a thing, and it's we're used to it. So it allows them to modify probably the experiences and the characters as Marvel movies come out. Something I'm sure they're thinking about for Galaxy's Edge, how they can update it or, um, you know, mm-hmm. bring yeah, characters the that pool are a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think that I do think that Galaxy's Edge is going to rethink what they're doing as far as limiting yeah. it into listen, that time period. But it's good to hear that Marvel's yeah. I can, not being that, that stingy with it. This is, this is a yeah. Disney audience. Uh, so I can talk crap, but somewhere Pablo Hidalgo <laughs> had a great idea for like setting it in a specific time period, uh, and really just like narrowing down the experience for immersion. But in reality, most kids want to see Darth Vader. So, yeah, and I mean, honestly, I was thrilled with what they were doing. I loved the idea of it being yeah. very specific and it being its own place and fitting into canon. And that, you know, the super nerd in me was all about that. Yeah. But they didn't really execute it the way that, that they said that's, they were going to. That's, and that's because funny. of that, yeah. if you're not going to give me the full immersion that you promised, then just make it, just go ahead and make it just Star Wars land, you know? I, I will say the Avengers campus does not feel immersive. Hmm. It it's yeah. an experience. It's I I would actually call it more of an experience and less of a land. Um, and it's supposed to be the Avengers campus, and it is, but it's an Avengers campus where time really has no meaning. Like everyone in my group and other people that I talk to, uh, like in line or there, were all under the impression that time wasn't really a thing. Yeah. You would see different characters talking about or or interacting about different types of things uh, from different timelines or for from a different time in each of the movies. Yeah. Um, so. Honestly, like, that could be intentional too, mm-hmm. because if, if you do, if they are starting to introduce the idea of the multiverse, they've already introduced the idea of time travel yeah. in the Marvel movies. So they can actually keep that in story and still have an explanation and say, okay, That's well, true these people can be from any time period because of what we've already introduced into the canon of the movies. I don't think yeah. Star Wars doesn't have that luxury. That's true. And I don't think it's an accident that they chose Dr. Strange as such a like central part of the experience. Like literally that's, it's called the multiverse of madness is the next Dr. Strange movie coming out. So, you know, it fits right in. Yeah. There. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which that was actually the one thing that I really wish I could have done that I was not able to do was to see the little Doctor Strange show that happened because they uh, didn't have yeah. it on any type of schedule. Like it was supposed to be on a schedule, from what I could tell, but it wasn't like it wasn't sticking to any type of schedule. Because uh, we talked to a few cast members about it, and they're like, "Yeah, like if you can see it, especially if you can see it at night, it's great." Uh, but every time it would kick off, there was there would be so many stand- people standing around that unless you happen to be standing right there there was no way you could get inside the sort of the little amphitheater slash broken um mm. temple uh to see it clearly yeah uh so like that area was super cool but i never did get to see the skit or show for dr strange i saw i i've seen the little clips on on instagram and stuff and it looks pretty pretty sweet 
Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of people were like live streaming it. And I actually happened to just catch Skywalking Through Neverland was live streaming it. And I just happened to turn it on right as it started, the show started. And I I watched the whole thing. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Nice. Modern technology for the win. Technology. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was basically like if I was going to give a quick review of it, it was basically like a, a magic show. Like a you know sleight of hand close up magic type stuff. Gotcha. Um, it, that was kind of the 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 what they were going for, I think. So I wasn't like blown away and like, oh wow, this is so awesome. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I think kids would be really impressed by it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's I I think um, it, it may, it's a perfect fit. And it's a great like kids kids attraction. Um, which is nice that they kind of keep that in mind for the campus as well. I have to add, Bethany, did you, this, I don't know if this is an indicator, but this is probably how we'll cap off the segment for, I don't know if you saved the best for last or if it's the most forgettable, but I have to ask about the web slingers ride. Yes. Um, so I really enjoy the web slingers ride. It's not something that I would wait in line for any particular length of time for. Okay. Uh, and many people, to include, uh, so my friend Katie that I mentioned, uh, Spider-Man has been her favorite superhero for years, if not, like, more than a decade. Um, she loved all the old Spider-Man movies. She loves the new Spider-Man movies. It's her favorite Avenger. Um, and so she was so excited about not just Avengers Campus, but all of the Spider-Man aspects of Avengers Campus. Mm. And she was quite disappointed. <laughs> um, and I would say I totally understand why, because it's very short. It's very similar to Toy Story Mania. Um, so the idea is that you, instead of having like a gun where you uh, shoot the hoops and you're trying to to put the hoops over something you're using your fingers to continuously sling webs and kill robotic spiders that are malfunctioning and multiplying and destroying things so you're helping spider-man do this um and it is a lot of fun like i really enjoyed it but it's way too short and there there's no overarching theme um like smugglers run or rise of the resistance mm-hmm. um and it's essentially just a very souped up, really fun, but much shorter Toy Story Mania, only Spider-Man. Okay. Well, what about the technology behind the, the um, like, I, I, they're bragging so much about how you, like, mime shooting webs and how immersive that is. It's, um, it's all right. It, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's fun, and it's definitely an arm workout. Uh, the... It doesn't necessarily really feel like you're shooting webs because, sure, you you can make your your hand into the shape of like, yeah, I'm Spider-Man, I'm shooting webs. Or you can literally just point your pointer fingers and sling them up and down as fast as possible. Lame. But then you're not doing it right. But (laughs) that is the way to get a better score. Uh And I handedly uh beat everyone in my team. See, this is Uh, one of those. One of those people. Competitive edge. You you get to play Wii Sports with just flicking your wrists, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I hated those people. I can attest to that, actually. (laughs) 
I will be no. the I will be that forty one year old at Web Slingers just doing the the correct yeah. Spider Man pose and correcting random strangers who aren't doing it correctly. <laughs> who cares about the score? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so so it was it was fun, but it's because you're sitting down in the ride. It it really does not feel as immersive as Rise of the Resistance. Because mm. uh, Rise of the Resistance is taking you through all of these places. And I don't want to compare it one-to-one because I was not expecting it to be as good as Rise of the Resistance. But Katie was. People who are not huge Disney fans who don't know the layout of yeah. the campus it's the big and new ride. don't understand the limitations involved are expecting something like Rise of Resistance but Marvel. Yeah, or at is, least Smuggler's Run, which, which in, I would also say. I'm is sure in Disney's mind down. they have the limitations, right? But really, like Disney would say, if you're going to Avengers Campus and you haven't been to California Adventure, so if you're one of them, sure, hundreds of thousands or millions of people that attend that park for the first time as a family, the flagship ride is not is not Web Slingers. The flagship ride is Guardians Breakout. But for all of us Disney nerds who've been riding that ride for years, we love it. It's great. It's fun. But. um you know, we wanted to go to the new ride. So I could see where that could be a yeah. misaligned expectation. I think there, like, there's a long-term plan for that area, too, I believe, to add another ride. Yes, there is. That, and so, and if you look at the map, there's definitely a lot of space, you know, kind of behind the, the Quinjet area. That I believe and that's going to be... And underneath the Quinjet. That is a huge building. Right. But so there they already are laying inside. the the groundwork for the future and they already have like riley said the guardians ride i don't think web slingers is even supposed to be in the top two rides in there it's probably the third kind of attraction um and people just have to be patient and that's kind of how even galaxy's edge you know they didn't open rise of the resistance right away and so people were like really smuggler's run really isn't like a top tier ride it's like well it's not supposed to be yeah yeah i'd say same same but it is a much smaller space um, it's not as immersive, uh, the, the campus as compared to galaxy's edge. Um, and it's third tier ride. Um, I would say comparing web slingers to smugglers run, uh, hands down, I would choose smugglers run. Um, okay. and so like, I love my experience and I had so much fun. The skits were amazing. I did enjoy the food and drinks that we got, um, some of them are, are pretty novelty and fun. We did have uh, Pim's Kitchen yeah. alcoholic drinks, and those were a lot of fun. Do you, um, have the, you have the giant pretzel? You have the. We did not have the giant pre- pretzel, but we had the spiral rotation, the like green pineapple churro. Yeah. Uh, we actually all loved it. It was weird, but we all loved it. Okay. Um, nice. We and I, I saw some people hating on it online, and I was like, "Cool, more for me." Uh, and then we tried the cosmic cream orb, and that was pretty good too. Horrendously messy. Do not get that if you don't have time to wash your hands. Um, mm. We did get shawarma. Nice. Uh, and that was lots of fun. That that's was awesome. tasty. Yeah. Um, I. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, and I had to cheat. I just pulled up the the Wikipedia, but the the future attraction is the Avengers Quinjet Experience opening in Ooh. phase 2. It, it doesn't sound amazing to me, but, but yeah, I think that might be a, like a temporary title. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe they've got but something more up their sleeves. Bethany, did you see the uh 
the swinging Spider-Man. Oh yeah, that was a, we just did. A okay, we did. I that was so cool. We were hotly debating if that was a cast member or not. Awesome. Oh, it's definitely a. It's definitely not. Yeah. It's a robot. And then we 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 looked it up online. And we we're like, it's a robot. Yeah, what? that's a big piece of tech yeah. that um, Imagineering's been working for a long time. They re- they released like amazing. some in the uh, Imagineering story on Disney Plus. You can actually see them working on the prototype. Um, the like freaking yeah. creepy uh, Terminator version of. The- <laughs> 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 um, but it is. It's like they have. They literally catapult launch this. Um, uh, animatronic that's designed to like be balanced and do all the flips and look human as it does it. It's crazy. Yeah, and it it does look human when you're there. Granted, like we didn't stand there and stare the whole time, but we were in line for the web supplier's store, mm. uh, and we were able to watch it for ten or fifteen seconds. Did anybody and... buy a spider bot? Anybody get a spider bot pet? <laughs> we did not get a spider bot pet. Um, but we did get uh, like Avengers shot glasses. Those are cool. Those nice. are really cool. Nice. Uh, Katie and I actually got the last two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they That's had awesome. pops and uh, keychains, some really cool patches. I bought two sweaters um, uh, outside of the Web Spire store at one of the pop ups uh, the Avengers silver uh, zip up thumb hole sweater thing. Uh, it's really nice. I love it a lot. I'm wearing it right now. Nice. Um, and a black hoodie that has uh, the Avengers logo on it as well. Um, and yeah, the 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 merchandise is definitely um, some of it was really cool, and people were definitely buying a lot of it. And not necessarily is like, I'm going to try to buy 20 because they would limit you to two to five items depending upon the item. Um, so, like, we got limited opening day pins and you can only buy two at any given point in time. Nice. So That's awesome. Well, it's interesting because I, I the Web Slinger store, they have the spider bots for purchase. But the, an interesting thing that I saw that might be, I don't know, maybe... Um, a good transition to our final topic of the podcast. But um, I don't know if you've heard the term Bethany or Aaron. I I had not heard it until web slingers opened the idea of ride DLC, a ride DLC, like the downloadable content of the video game era where you pay for extra features Um, for the first time ever. uh, Disney announced that you can purchase web power bands and when you're on the ride, you can use these, I, th- I don't know if they're Bluetooth or what the technology is, but these little web slinger attachments to your hand that shoot, uh, and I quote, here's the copy, electrodynamic spider webs and repulsor blasts, making you more competitive <laughs> and better at the ride where you can beat up all your friends. So you can spend, what is it, 30, 40 bucks to exp- have a different and better experience yeah 35 dollars um you can buy the spider-man ghost spider or iron man repulsor um uh blast but it was hotly debated amongst the the disney ride purist community because the idea of getting a different or better experience on a ride and having to pay for it is something that disney has never done uh in person which i i'm gonna i'm gonna line up a few pieces of evidence not unlike, I don't know, not to put the Disney parks on trial, but I feel like if there were a hearing 
about Disney's decision making through the pandemic and how they are going to come out of the pandemic in a from from the park's perspective. Uh, I think it, that it'd be a fascinating discussion. I want to hear what you guys think of it. The debate about the the cost of Disney parks and the rising cost over the years is is certainly not new, but I I'd seen some interesting um, I'd I'd seen some uh, interesting video from Mickey Views. Um, who a really fun YouTuber who covers Disney news. You can, uh, we'll have a link to it. Um, but he, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Braden Holness of uh, Mickey views did a video that I thought was really interesting. Uh, and it was the idea of the, and this is a piece of evidence, I guess, number two, first one being the, the, the sort of ride DLC thing. Number two is, um, the fast pass program and some rumors that are swirling about it. I don't know how much you guys have followed this, but I'll, I'll present the evidence. So of course, fast passes have, haven't been a thing since COVID, but, but Disney, as much as they're spinning up to uh, more normalcy, increasing capacity, opening the new Avengers campus, they've, we've heard nothing dead silence on the fast pass program. Uh, which has sparked some rumors and speculation. I don't have. A, I don't know how. If it's just the lack of communication, or if there's some other insiders talking about the idea that they will never return to the fast pass system and will instead roll out a paid, um, essentially a paid version of the fast pass program that would allow guests to have some number. Um, and, and Braden goes over some sources he says he has inside the Disney company. So I will, I will push off the veracity of these rumors on the Mickey views, but he did lay out how he, um, was hearing that it's being hotly debated within the company as a way of financial recovery, if nothing else, having, um, a version of a paid fast pass program. Um, that sort of evidence piece number one, and then the other piece that I wanted to briefly mention is the recent controversy, if you will, of of the Boo Bash, bash the Boo Bash fiasco. We, now, last time on the podcast, Aaron, you and I talked about the uh, talked about this, but they had not announced the pricing and they had not announced the um, it, the the system with which that you could actually attend. So they opened it to phone calls only. I had no idea this was a thing, but you could literally only book Boo Bash tickets, which is again as we've sort of talked about the scaled back version of the not so scary Halloween party. It's basically the not so scary Halloween Sands fireworks show, Sands parade. Um, they the price the price is as much or more, rising up to two hundred dollars in October for the. Uh, uh, activity, but with less attendance allowed because they're still limiting capacity currently. They might change that. And they're making it intentionally difficult, evidently, to to book tickets, not making them available online and instead only making it available to cu- old school phone calling for customer service. Now, that was just for the, when they opened the availability at first, but all over social media, people are posting screen captures of like hour two, hour three on the phone with Disney customer service. And it sort of all begs a question that, that Braden actually launched in the video that I wanted to post to you first, Aaron, which is 
do these updates point to a a Disney Parks that is no longer interested in being mass appealing, and they are actually they don't mind getting more revenue from fewer people to make a more premium exclusive experience? Like just in principle, uh, are they will the are the parks starting to cater? to that principle, looking at the fast pass system, the paid fast pass system, or the ever more expensive exclusive after parties. Is this something that is Disney becoming less of a thing that the average American family can enjoy the full experience? Um, what say you? There we I, go. How's that so, for controversy? <laughs> yeah. You laid out so much there. I'm like, I'm going to forget some of the things that I wanted to say I'm about sorry. the first thing. I'm sorry. But, it's quite a monologue there. I had to, there's a lot of getting <laughs> off my chest, but yeah. Well, first I'll caution like YouTubers are YouTubers mm. and we all know as Star Wars fans that there's plenty of YouTubers out there that just, you know, like to say controversial or fantastical things to get views. Yeah. I don't know Brayden personally, but I wouldn't buy too much into his theory on FastPass starting to be a paid service. Um, I'd want to see a little bit more evidence than just a YouTuber. Sure. But but it's already happening at Disneyland. I mean, you're already the, – the FastPass system out there, you do pay extra. You know, you buy your ticket and then you pay an additional amount if you want to utilize the FastPass system. Hmm. Um, and actually, I like the way Disneyland system works. I actually like it a little bit better than Disney Disney World. Because it gives you an opportunity to do more than three bookings, and it's you can do one at a time. You have to be in the park. You can do one at a time, but you can do a lot. You can actually, typically, my experience at Disneyland is I can ride more of the premier rides than I can at Disney World. Yeah. So if Disney World went to a system similar to Disneyland, mm-hmm. I actually probably wouldn't mind if they charged me ten dollars. Oh, interesting. To do that, um, but. Overall, I wouldn't love the idea of it being a paid service um, if it was much more than that. Um, and if you have to remember too, Disney World—it's more parks, so obviously you're—you know—you're going to end up if you have to do it every park every day. You're paying an extra ten bucks. That can add up. Um, so I can see maybe it's a possibility. I wouldn't count on it being like definitely going to happen. Uh, it could just be a rumor. It, I think a lot of the reason why they haven't really gone back to fast pass yet yeah. is because of social distancing and they, they just don't have the queue space for it. Yeah. But we'll see, we'll see how it kind of develops. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I think um, the, it's not like fast pass plus didn't have its disadvantages because it really does gear towards it. That in itself doesn't really gear towards the average American family that may not know everything about how to plan a Disney trip. They don't know that exactly how many days out you need to book your fast passes and think about pairing that with your dinner reservations so that you space everything out. Cause you only get the three, like it, it's a system that while free is certainly it preferences those that like us who are nerds about planning way ahead of time. And, but even that may be kind of against the, you know, original Walt, you just go to the park and have a great experience no matter what. You don't have to even plan anything ahead. That hasn't been true for years. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, yep. if it's it's already not geared toward the average American family. It's been that way for a long time. Uh, it's not anything that they're doing now, I think, that's indicating that that's changing. It's, that's, that changed a long time ago. Yeah. Bethany, what say you? Um... I I agree with Aaron in the sense that, well, and both of you, that that 
dream has not been a reality at the parks, even since we started going now quite some years ago, Riley. Um, and we were kind of late to the, late to the Disney game. Um, it's, it is actually a little frustrating to feel as though you have to, uh, carefully scrutinize plan and frantically jump into virtual queues for everything from hotels to rides to food to snacks to all of these types of things. Um, like one reason why we weren't paying attention to the actual Avengers campus line and checking into seeing if that was a thing is because the last time I went to Disneyland, the virtual queues for food were so many hours long (laughs) is that the second that those virtual queues opened up, we were frantically trying to book food and drinks um, and even snacks. And so I will say from experience, um, not being able to really buy any food in the Disneyland park back when I went um, in April because everything was virtual and you know we didn't get the memo before going that day and so we were hungry but it took us about four hours to get food yeah um (laughs) so that that's a very minute specific example of being like Mm -hmm. in some ways i would rather there be two kind of extremes an annual pass where you can go and you can wait in the line or just enjoy the ambiance of the park Um, And something that is a paid service that takes out the franticness of trying to like, oh, no, our hotel, our favorite hotel, Disney hotel got booked for the nights that we want, except for this night. So maybe we can do the Disneyland hotel and and then maybe we can do the grand and oh, no, we missed the virtual queue for Rise of Resistance. And now we're getting the later one and that screws up all our dinner reservations and you know i think oh, like we got fast passes but not far enough and out out in advance to plan and so i don't i don't know what the answer is because i do think that both disney parks are now outside of uh, outside of the realm for regular visiting for the the average family um they're they're already so pricey for tickets hotels yeah. transportation food rides, special experiences. Um, I think Disney's already flirting with Mm. being outside of the range of the norm or the affordable that they might as well embrace some elements of that and keep having things like the Boo Bash or the the Disney After Dark, um, the Disney Villain Nights. Um, And then if you have the money, you're like, you're guaranteed a good experience um, as opposed to this sort of pseudo premium experience where if things go wrong, you might not get any of the food or any of the rides that you want without waiting many hours. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the key there is I I think we're, we're going to be, we're heading towards a, a tectonic shift in the way that I think the Disney parks want queuing to be a thing because the whole idea of fast passes was people would ride the flagship rides that they wanted to ride but then hang out in the parks longer and spend more money at shops and restaurants and um 
shows and fair fairs and all the things that you could be spending money on that you're not doing if you're just standing there in line. So, and, and that was explicitly part of the pitch to investors. I was reading about how when they were pitching the FastPass Plus system originally, that was a selling point. And I think it's a new era with Bob Chapek. Like, he came from the parks. He was the executive in charge of all the parks. And now he's, you know, Disney CEO. And with, um, I think, as and I'm going to read this quote. This is actually from the most recent... Um, let's see if we can find it here. The most, most recent uh, shareholder meeting... Chapek said, quote, someone who travels and stays for five to seven days is marginally more valuable to the business than someone who comes in on an annual pass and stays a day or two and consumes less. <laughs> so not being shy in that, like the type of person that they're targeting, someone who spends on a premium experience is willing to spend the money to be in the park multiple days, do their week long vacation. And the idea of, and this is, this is you, Bethany, this is the California hippies. With your annual passes that Disneyland has uh, so long depended on, I think they really do want Disneyland to catch up with Disney World to be a, a higher spending park. And that's what these, that's what, regardless of what they come up with, whether or not they do a paid system, the idea of us using phones to order food, um, making it that much easier, you just walk up to the line, you don't have to wait in a line, using our phones to mm-hmm. um, hop on a virtual boarding pass, even if it's hard to get and they don't have the app quite right, you're, there's your boarding pass and then you're just walking around the park for the rest of the time. So I think that is yeah. the shift we're seeing. And we're I, also keep keep in mind too, like we're just coming out of a pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. so the experience right now is not typical. And so the queuing and the wait times and stuff feeling like it's not a typical Disney experience. So I don't think we're really going to know how different Disney is until it kind of gets back to like full capacity, no more restrictions, no more, you know, social distancing, whenever that is, if that's three months from now or six months from now, that's when we can really start to judge how much it's changed. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think the virtual queue, it's going to be the future. And I, and I think it could be a good thing. Yes, I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. I just think right now, because they only have a couple rides they're doing it for, then like if you're, if the only ride you can do a virtual queue for is Rise of Resistance when you're at Disney World, of course you're going to jump in and try to do that. Yeah. yeah. But if if all the premier rides are virtual queue, you got to decide. Okay, am I trying to get on Rise of the Resistance or am I trying to get on Flight of Passage today? Yeah. You know, and so it's going to spread that out a little bit, so it's not going to be as hard to get yeah. those once they once they expand the system. Because here's the deal: I'm almost never. I love Rock and Roller Coaster. It's a great time. I'm almost never going to wait an hour or more at a popular time to go ride Rock and Roller Coaster. But like, if they introduce where you pay. A hundred dollars, two hundred dollars for your premium, you know, all day fast pass access, but yet they also let me do a virtual queue where I can just like know that in an hour and a half, me and my group can all just waltz on. Come on, I'm I'm in a thousand percent. You would pay an additional hundred. No, I'm saying if they packaged those opportunities together to where if you're willing to be patient, but you don't have to wait in a freaking line. (laughs) (laughs) So like, say you still have to wait an hour or two, but you no longer have to wait in line. Or if you really want to just like be able to go whenever you want instantly, 
um, you pay. If they package those two together to where you're still waiting, it's the same to Disney. Like they'll make more money from the premium fast pass thing if they do it. And they get to get people out spending more money and not stuck in a line where that, that that's the worst part of a Dis- not just Disney, but any theme park experience is just being yeah. stuck in line with your kid who just wants, you know, a hot dog and they've been waiting there for an hour to freaking ride the frozen ride at Epcot. I think they just yeah. need to be careful yeah. because when you start to introduce pay to play, like your experience is going to be better if you pay us more, but for you commoners, it's going to still stink. Like that can start to introduce some elements that aren't going to go over so well with, with people that do want to take their kids to Disney world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that scrape together enough money over years and years and years to try to just get to Disney world. Um, and if they feel like, well, we can't afford the special extra pass. Sorry, we got to wait in line. You know, I just feel like they just need to be careful. Yes. To introduce too much of this. Um, I don't like the idea of the web slingers thing you talked you talked about. I yeah. actually think that's really bad. Like, oh, you can only win this if you pay an extra forty dollars. Like, I really, I just don't like that type of thing to start to be introduced. And I hope Disney is really thoughtful about how they do it and keep it pretty limited. Because yeah. to answer your basic, your first question, is Disney too expensive? Absolutely, it's too expensive mm. right now. Like, boo to you costing $200 on Halloween night. If you have the money and you want to go, that's fine. But yeah. that's ridiculous. You're so, not getting that much I'm value. Gonna, I'm going to use so, Savannah and I. Uh, sorry, to interrupt, I think, I, just briefly, the Savannah and I are the perfect case example. We went through, like, the... The travel budget of, of things that we want to do this year, the friends we want to see, the activities we want to do, and we are both huge Disney fans, and we are both anxious to get back to the parks as they get more normal and more things open, more the restaurants open, the more experiences there are, the not so scary party that we went to last year or two years ago. Same thing with the Christmas parties. We did both of those two years ago. Loved it. Would love to go back. But we just crunched the numbers and and just realized the other trips we'd have to give up um, or the other friends that we want to see that we haven't seen in two years as you know, or a year of the pandemic. And it just didn't crack that priority list and that's us that's the guy who hosts the disney podcast and i don't i don't know if i have a plan to get to one of the parks before the uh the end of the year it's crazy yeah and and even same for me like i don't do a disney pass but i'm stationed in the central coast of california so it is anywhere from a three to a six hour drive down to get to disneyland i bought the second highest tier of the Disneyland annual pass before the pandemic because mm-hmm. I love Disney that much. And I was considering buying, um, why am I blanking on the, the like timeshare program for Disney? Oh, Disney vacation club. Yeah. And I was, I well. was strongly considering <laughs> the, the Disney vacation club. Um, and I was thinking I'll, I'll save up and, um, you know, I'm in a relationship right now. And so like when things settle down, uh, we'll probably get into the Disney Vacation Club, and now I'm looking at that like, mm. how can I justify the Disney Vacation Club if I'm not doing multiple Disney trips a year? Yeah, and how can I justify multiple Disney trips a year if they s- start costing hundreds and hundreds of dollars more uh, per trip, if not even more than that, uh, for for the exact same reason? And so I I totally agree with with both of you because on the one hand 
let me pay for a premium experience for a really special night at Disney that's not crowded, that's super fun, where I can ride all the rides and do all the things and not wait in any lines. On the other hand, like, I just want to be able to go to Disney and enjoy the vibes and enjoy the fun and take my nieces and nephews. And I don't know that that that, that Disney is ever going to come back. Yeah, think about, like, going to that Halloween party. And I know it's just that, to, like, to be clear, it's not $200 every time, like, sure. every party night. No. It's just Halloween night, which I get. They're going to, you know, that's the night you want to be at the Halloween party on Halloween. So they're going to jack the price up. Um, but if you did want to take a family of four to that party, you're paying $800 hmm. for a limited, because the park doesn't, you're not even allowed that show or that experience doesn't even start till 7 PM, you know? So you're going not even for a full day to one Disney park and it's going to cost you $800. Like that's, that's definitely not normal people money right like a, yeah it's not average yeah. american no hey honey do you want to go let's go oh there's this cool event going on over there oh yeah 800 bucks that's not oh, let's do it you know yeah it's something you save up for you know there's people that can do it there definitely are and i think that's probably you know my last thought on this is disney does give a top-notch experience it yes. is valuable like i love disney and obviously and a lot of people do and i think that's why disney can continue to raise these prices because up till now there's no there's been no evidence that people won't buy it yeah so maybe maybe they'll hit a point where people will stop buying it we'll see but for now i'm you know i'm still going to the parks the last time disney struggled with theme park attendance and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but it would have been the opening of California Adventure in like 2004. And that was not because of the prices. It was because of the like half-hearted effort. And they they admit it. Like the attractions and the experience wasn't up to the Disney standard. So I, I, I really, I, I, think, I think you're right, Aaron. I think that short of, and I think we'll see what the economics of the next year looks like what like maybe spending on these kinds of more extravagant vacations because that is what it's now costing becomes less of a thing and disney has to be more competitive to attract uh, people there but you know but but what about walt's vision i guess like that's where i'm struggling is that we're, we're this conversation about disney also has to do with disney values and i and i have multiple disney skeptic friends who would just laugh me off the face of the earth that I even bring this up because they'd be like, no, like, you know, the mouse is king, the mouse is money, like, blah, 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 blah. But I do actually believe in Walt's vision of, like, what he was hoping to bring. And I feel like it it has to be possible if, as Aaron was saying, if Disney is careful, I feel like it has to be possible somehow Um to to separate the experiences in which uh, um, perhaps there's a block of time in which a pass uh, for for certain weeks out of the year um, are just the only passes available are super super premium passes to ensure that you have the VIP type experience. Um, and then maybe multiple other days of the year, you you have more normal systems because uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I do think there has to be a way to, to balance it because otherwise Disney will stray more into the, the territory of the naysayers, um, which is like, we are going to keep upcharging because the upper middle class loves this experience so much that the middle class and the lower middle class um, is going to ha- have a really difficult time going. Yeah, I I hope not. I really I really do hope that they they don't. And I think there's a way to do it. I think they've got a path to preserve um, preserve the experience uh, using technology to really like. I really do think that the idea of allowing for even if you want a paid fast pass system virtual queuing that still allows a family to to go and 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 keeping the just the access the tickets to the park accessible um but like you say Aaron they keep buying we keep buying them yeah i like i tell them it's kind of like cuz you're talking about Walt's vision and absolutely what disney is now is not what his vision was i don't think i think there were probably people that would argue that but I think anyone that's truly honest with themselves would say that you know, Disney ultimately now is a money-making corporation. And there's really not a lot of evidence to, to go against that. And we have to decide, is that something that we're okay with? You know, like, are you okay with the fact that, you know, every time you go to Disney, their their whole strategy is how to get you to spend more money. And if you can kind of come to grips with that and accept it, then you can kind of just, okay, that it is what it is. I love the experience so much. I love Disney. I'm nostalgic for it. I, you know, it's worth kind of selling a little piece of my soul <laughs> to, to still yeah. be a diehard Disney fan. Yeah. It's kind of like what I tell my son when we go to Disney World, and he, he'll ask me like if things are real, and it's like, well, they're as real as you want them to be. Yeah, you know, that's kind of my new thing, and so that's kind of how I am as an adult with Disney. It's as magical as I'm allowed to let myself believe it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The problem, you know, and I, but I will always say this, especially to the, to the, to the skeptics of the Disney experience and why it's so expensive and like, why don't you go to the real Mount Everest or I don't know, like you could really go to France instead of the France pavilion. Like that's, that's the common pushback that i'm sure all of us have had oh absolutely you know, friends and friends in your life and i i even think that myself sometimes <laughs> <laughs> but i they do it so well it's why they can charge so much money like it is because they're so good at providing that experience i will say i think the vision of walt in terms of guest experience and the immersion of the the parks has has only gotten better they've only perfected and improved over time with missteps along the way um, but, From an entertainment perspective, I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I would agree yeah. that they're still doing the Imagineering, you know, making things, you know, as magical and professional and clean and all this. A lot of the stuff that he intended absolutely is still happening. I just think I don't know that he ever planned for it to be a corporate entity that was acquiring billion-dollar companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, folks, I would actually yeah. argue a lot of the the Disney magic that I feel does come from Disney plus these days between having Disney movie nights or ongoing Mandalorian watch parties. I mean, I call them watch parties, but I mean, tiny social bubble, but Hey, we tried to call it a party. (laughs) Give me that. Okay. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah like the the watch parties and stuff and that's that's a a a more doable price entry so i i also would say that in some ways the the disney experience um being for the people is accessible um outside of the parks as well that's true that's true there's more than just i know this has been a very parks heavy podcast episode but um I think I, I think in, in talking about Corella that it's it's not just the parks piece. They, the storytelling that 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 Disney has come to embrace and value as a company, um, Pixar being a great example of just the values of telling stories that inspire people and spark our imagination and connect us. I think that's why both the the stories that are told on the big screen or the stories that are represented in these, you know, theme park experiences, there's just a reason it's touched the soul of America for all these years. It just, you know, will empty your bank account. <laughs> so, there you go. We're still drinking the Kool-Aid, we, really. Ladies I mean, and gentlemen, we're still drinking the Kool-Aid. Aaron, you want to close us out? Any final thoughts on, on the main topic or... Uh... Nothing else to add. No. Um, that's yeah, fair. enough of talking negative about Disney. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry guys. It's like yeah. it's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> um, so anyway, you know what? Some, something's gonna happen. One of us will text the other one and be like, "Hey, do you want to go this weekend?" And we're all gonna be hyped again. So yeah, we'll like, all be yes. Boo to you on Halloween night, guys. It's Halloween. Let's go. I would Let's do go. it. I would do it. I loved the Disneyland version of that. Yeah, yeah. That was so fun. <sighs> yeah for sure well folks you can uh, stay in touch with us um in between podcast episodes everything can be found at mouseandcastlepodcast.com you can shoot us an email mouseandcastle at gmail.com i'd be interested in your thoughts as you're listening to this podcast episode on has disney become less accessible uh, just based on the money uh, but you'll see the that the that's the website. Like I say, mouseandcastlepodcast.com. You'll find the notes for this episode, episode fifty six, all the links to the stuff that we talked about. Some great pictures and write ups from folks who had um, the OC Register had a pretty good roundup on some of the issues that happened opening day and ways forward on how they might fix it. Uh, and I, of course, Disney Food Blog, of course, had a great write up of all the food stuff. So I'll include all those links so you can see the sweet pictures, all that stuff in the notes for this particular podcast episode. Bethany, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. So you can find me on um, Twitter or Instagram at Bethany L. Blanton. Uh, honestly, I don't really use Twitter these days, so I should probably just have left that out. But I, I went into <laughs> autopilot mode, so go. really just find me on Instagram you if you're interested. Uh, and I will be posting pictures from my experience uh, in Avengers Campus. And I think they're really awesome. I think you'll have fun looking at it. Nice. Have fun uh, either contrasting your experience with mine uh, or dreaming about when you get to go next. Yes, yes. Us, us non-California people will be allowed June 15th, which is next week as you're listening to this podcast. So look at that. Uh, Mr. Aaron, tell people where they can uh, follow you online. You can follow me on Twitter at avgoins. You can also check out my one of my other podcasts at Star Wars Bookworms. Um, we did an episode with Bruce Gibson uh, reviewing the latest High Republic comics. There you so go. I'm going to check that out. There you go. Star Wars Bookworms. Ooh. Check it out. Um, 
And then for me, guys, you can, uh, you can find me at the Riley guy on Instagram. That's the best place to follow along. And of course, don't forget Mouse and Castle at Mouse and Castle on Instagram, facebook.com slash Mouse and Castle. You'll see us right there. Uh, give us a like and a follow. And uh, yeah, Matthew, we'll, we'll share them on the Mouse Castle page too once you post them. So we'll make, we'll make sure that folks can get a hold of uh, that opening day experience. Cool. Uh, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Mouse and Castle podcast. Until next time, may the magic be with you and may your bank accounts survive your next Disney trip. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. And that's a wrap. Good times. Good times. I had to get up and like, I had to go mute myself.